Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you to search the Scriptures with us once again as we investigate Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. I wonder if you've ever stopped to ask yourself the most basic of all questions about the Bible. What, in fact, is the Christian Gospel? What did Jesus challenge his audience to believe as the good news or gospel of salvation? What did Jesus mean by the phrase so often found on his lips, the kingdom of God? When did you last hear a preacher or evangelist invite us to repent and believe in the gospel about the kingdom of God, as Jesus did with his audiences, as we see in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15? It's an extraordinary thing, but you seldom hear a preacher today appeal to the very words of Jesus as far as the gospel definition is concerned. We seem to be plagued with the idea that the gospel did not begin until after the death and resurrection of Jesus, that there was no gospel preaching before that time. Now, that simply cannot be true, and it's something that you can examine easily for yourself in your own Bible. Take a Bible, for instance, and open to the first chapter of Mark's Gospel. In that passage, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel about the Kingdom of God, the Gospel note, the good news about the Kingdom of God. And he then said, The time is fulfilled. The Kingdom of God is approaching. Repent and believe in that good news. Which good news is that? Well, the good news, evidently, about the kingdom of God. That's where Jesus begins his Christianity. Why do we so seldom hear anything about how Jesus laid the foundation of the faith? We seem always to be rushing to the letters of Paul, forgetting that Paul wrote to people who already understood the gospel, people to whom he had already preached the gospel of the kingdom. And his letters, in fact, assumed a great deal of information which he'd already passed to them when he founded their churches. But Jesus is the originator of the Christian faith. He's the one who comes into Galilee and tells us to repent and believe in God's gospel, the gospel about the kingdom of God, as you find in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. We seem to be plagued these days with the notion that somehow Jesus' words don't count for much at all. What is really supposed to count is only his death and his resurrection. I even heard it said that Jesus came to do only three days' work, to die and to be buried and to be raised again. That is fundamentally false to the documents of our New Testament, and it's important that we should make this clear. Nothing can be more disastrous for us than to pervert or distort in any way, to take away from or add to the gospel. You'll find that in Galatians chapter 1, where Paul is most perturbed by any suggestion that the gospel might be perverted or distorted. Well, surely then, our definition of the gospel must be based upon the teaching of Jesus himself. He is the authority who established what the saving message is, and he does it beautifully for us in the accounts given by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Look, for example, at Luke chapter 4, verse 43. There Jesus made an astonishing statement about the purpose of his whole mission, and it was, as he said in Luke 4:43 to preach the gospel about the kingdom of God. That was the reason for which God commissioned him. You'll notice that Jesus, when he began to preach in Galilee and announced the gospel of the kingdom, 
and commanded everybody to believe, to repent first of all, and then to believe in that gospel of the kingdom, it was precisely with that message that Jesus attracted the apostles to him. They were willing to follow him. He said to them simply, follow me. And what did that following Jesus mean? Well, it meant giving up their careers and giving themselves entirely to the work of the ministry in the service of Jesus himself. But it was the gospel message of the kingdom which attracted those first apostles into the circle of Jesus' intimate friends and fellow workers. And so it makes perfect sense then that we should look at the early chapters of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John to establish what in fact the saving message is, what the gospel is. Now we've been looking at one of the most important stories or illustrations that Jesus ever gave. In fact, in chapter 4 of Mark and verse 13, we'll find that Jesus said of this parable, this story that we've been discussing, the so-called parable of the sower or the soils, Mark reports that Jesus said that this parable of the sower or the soils is the most important parable of all. He said in Mark chapter 4, 13, Don't you understand this parable? Well, how then will you understand any of the parables? And so there could be nothing more important for us than to grasp the meaning of Jesus' illustration given in this interesting story of the way in which the gospel impacts different types of people. There are varieties of reception in this matter of the gospel. People receive the gospel in different ways. Some really pay attention to it. Others pay attention to it only for a short time. And others yet hardly pay attention at all. If they do hear and understand it, it's only for a very short time and they quickly forget what Jesus has preached to them. And so this gospel of the kingdom of God and its progress among different types of people is beautifully illustrated for us in the famous parable of the sower. In Luke's version, we read in Luke 8 verse 12 that the devil is cognizant of the fact that the gospel of the kingdom is indeed the saving message. Because in Luke eight twelve, Jesus said, when anyone hears the message of the kingdom, or the message of God, it's exactly the same thing, the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of God and the word of God, all alternative ways of saying the same thing. When anyone hears that message as it came from the lips of Jesus, then the devil is there to snatch away the message of the kingdom which has been stored in their heart so that they cannot believe it and be saved. Now that really is a most illuminating verse because it opens up to us what is in fact happening behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. The devil knows better, I think, than many believers today that the kingdom message is the essential criterion for defining the Christian faith in the New Testament. It is those who hear and hear with intelligence and respond to the gospel about the kingdom who form the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. That's what's plainly taught in the parable of the sower. The devil, knowing this then, is intent on stealing that message away from the heart of the potential convert. So in Luke 8:12, we read that the devil snatches away the message of the kingdom so that a person may be prevented from believing and being saved. To believe, then, is to accept the message as it came from the lips of Jesus. 
And you'll find that throughout the New Testament. There is an essential word or message or gospel, namely the gospel of the kingdom, which must be taken in by the convert so that he can begin on the process of salvation which leads to immortality in the coming kingdom. To believe in the Bible, in the New Testament particularly, is to accept the message preached by Jesus. And believing is directly linked to, us, to salvation. A Christian, in fact, in the New Testament is described as a believer. And many are unaware of the fact that Abraham was himself a believer. You'll read that in Galatians 3, 8 and 9. The gospel, in fact, Paul says in Galatians 3, was first preached or preached beforehand to Abraham himself. And Abraham in that context is called a believer. That's to say, a Christian. He was a believer because he looked forward to the coming of Christ. He was a believer before the birth of Christ. And yet he believed the essential elements of the gospel as Jesus was later to preach it, namely the gospel about the coming kingdom of God. Nothing can be more instructive than to realize that the foundation of our faith lies in the Hebrew Bible, what we perhaps mistakenly call and unfortunately call the Old Testament. The story of salvation begins in a radically new way with Genesis chapter 12, the calling of Abraham. We'll have much to say about that in subsequent programs. But for the moment, we just note the fact that the gospel itself, which Jesus came to confirm, according to the book of Romans in chapter 15, the gospel was first preached to Abraham. Now, if we consider what was preached to Abraham, it will be clear that there was more than the death of Messiah and his resurrection. Abraham, you'll remember, was asked to give up his father's house and his own country and to depart in faith for a country that God promised to give him forever. The promise of the land, of course, was essential to the gospel as it was preached to Abraham. And that very same promise of the land, promised to Abraham forever, comes to us again in the famous words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, because they're going to inherit the land. The land that is promised to Abraham in the gospel which was preached to Abraham. And so you can see that the whole of the gospel revolves around the initial promises made so graciously by God himself to the patriarch Abraham. It was those promises that Jesus came to confirm. Those promises that Jesus never for a moment said were irrelevant to the Christians. And yet a whole series of false teachings has led us to believe that somehow the gospel is detached from its roots in the Hebrew Bible. That is a disastrous mistake which makes Bible reading complicated and confused. It's time for us to reattach the gospel to the message as Jesus preached it. And that message itself is to be attached to the gospel as preached to Abraham from Genesis 12 onwards. So that brings us again then to the parable of the soils and the seed. We've noted that the story which Jesus gave here was to illustrate the different capacities of various people to receive the message of the gospel as it came from the lips of Jesus. Look again at the first category of Jesus' audience. These are the people compared with the seed that fell by the roadside and was almost immediately swallowed up by the birds. Now what does this mean? In these precious verses in Luke chapter 8, Jesus is about to let us in on one of the great secrets of what is going on in the spiritual realm. 
he draws back the curtain to reveal the evil forces which range themselves always against Jesus and his gospel preaching. We're going to catch a glimpse of the great spiritual battle which is raging. It's a battle over the destiny of human beings. God desires us to believe in his agent, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil, however, is a powerful antagonist of God. He wants us not to take to heart the message of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom of God. So now listen to these extraordinarily illuminating comments of Jesus himself in Luke 8, verse 12. I quote, Those beside the roadside are those who have heard, heard, that is, the gospel preaching of Jesus. Now what happens in their case? Luke 8, 12 has the answer. Then the devil comes and takes away the message sown in their heart so that they may not believe it and be saved. Did you catch the amazing truth given us here by Jesus? When someone is exposed to the very gospel as Jesus himself preached it, the gospel of the kingdom of God, Matthew 13:19, the devil makes a concerted effort to prevent that message from taking root in the hearts of potential believers so that such people, and I quote again, may not believe and be saved. We leave you to meditate on this very remarkable saying of Jesus in the parable of the sower. Join us again as we continue to probe these most vital questions about life and immortality as Jesus offers it to us in his good news about the kingdom of God.